Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. They call it a sunk cost, you know, throwing good money after bad uh, because you don't want to make the decision. So the decision you're making is I'm going to maintain status quo. That is a decision by not changing courses. So you have to learn how to fold and say, you know what, at some point in time, this doesn't make sense to continue this investment. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is give a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is my very good friend, Ray Atia. Ray is a serial entrepreneur. He is the author of the book, Run, Improve, Grow, and he is a recreational poker player. So we're going to talk about poker today. Mr. Ray Atia. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, happy to have you here on the LeaderCast podcast. Uh, I've I've had uh, I've got to interview several of my friends on the podcast, and lots of people I don't know. Probably no one I know quite as well as you. So uh, we will uh, we'll get into some fun stuff. You're all over the LeaderCast platform, so uh, folks will be able to hear you on our panel at Super Teams coming up here in a few weeks in October, and. Uh, you have a ton of videos and webinars and stuff, so there's there's plenty of ways for people to learn from Ray Atia on LeaderCast. Uh, so today we're just going to have a little fun and get to know your story a little bit, and specifically one particular part of it. See how it goes. How's that sound? That sounds great. Looking forward to it, Joe. All right. So you are uh, a recreational poker player. Is that true? Uh, that's what would be I would be defined as a recreational poker player. Yes. What does that not mean? amateur, not professional? That's what recreational means. It's it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I guess recreational means I don't do it for a living, Yeah, but I, uh, do it well enough, uh, to be ranked. Um, you know, I've got, I think a quarter of a million dollars plus in live tournament winnings. So, um, I can tell you the IRS doesn't consider me a <laughs> professional player. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a, uh, just the, uh, I guess somebody who just shows up on Friday and Saturday and plays and. You know, they're just to have fun. I do it competitively. All right. So we're going to, we've never had a poker themed podcast at LeaderCast to my knowledge. So we're going to, we're going to just talk poker here in a little bit. Uh, most folks know I, I spent 10 years in Vegas and had some poker interactions. So we'll talk about that a little bit before we do that though, for those, uh, I said you're all over the platform, but I'm sure there's plenty of folks that don't, don't know who you are right now who are listening on their commute to work or whatever. Uh, I know, but tell the rest of the world a little bit about, uh, who you are, if we were, if we were an elevator for two minutes or less, uh, who, who, what do you tell people? What, what's Ray, what are you all about? What have you devoted your life to? What are you doing these days? You know, I guess my, my big why is, uh, I am, you know, the voice of the fearless frontline. So for the last 20 plus years, I have uh, dedicated myself to working in, uh, various industries, mostly manufacturing, and giving the folks in those uh, industries a voice and empower them. 
Um, I've developed a system called Run, Improve, Grow, which is a leadership system of how do you trust your frontline to run the business without management involvement to free up uh, leaders to work on improve and grow functions, which is their highest and best use. Um, and then uh, just across the board in terms of my business activities, I started my first business when I was 26. I've invested in, acquired, or started up over 20 different businesses over the last uh, many decades. Um, most recently, I've invested in a renewable energy business uh, that focuses on um, uh, mid-size, commercial-size, you know, solar uh, installations. Uh, and most recently, uh, I uh, started up and exited a, a ramp company that made aluminum ramps for wheelchairs um, and helped start that. And really, it was supposed to be an experiment to, to trial, run, improve, grow leadership system. So uh, education-wise, uh, I am an engineer, uh, industrial engineer from Rutgers, and I've got my master's from uh, Xavier, and I used to be an adjunct professor there. Uh, personally, I've got three daughters, uh, who two of them actually really enjoyed uh, poker at a young age. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we want to talk about here's here's what I thought we'd do today, a little different. Um, so there have been tons of uh, books written about various comparing leadership or using different metaphors for it, right? So like, what can you learn from baseball or whatever? And uh, we thought it might be fun to talk a little bit about competitive poker and what the the leadership lessons that you have taken out of or brought to your uh, slightly more than a hobby of playing poker. Um, we'll try to do it in such a way that uh, you poker enthusiasts might uh, be excited, but also we know a ton of you don't play poker and maybe don't even know how. So, but let, let's kind of dive in uh, a little bit. Uh, tell me, first of all, how, uh, before we get into that stuff, uh, why, why did poker, why was it interesting to you? And kind of, I don't even know if I've ever asked you this specifically. How did you start playing poker? How did, how did you get into it? So, um, so why is it a tractor for me? I think, you know, I'm an engineer. I've uh, got a very strong math skill. So uh, poker had a lot of the game theory concepts. So it had the the math, the, um, you know, calculations, uh, game theory. Uh, and it's also just a good competitive sport. So I never did it for the money. Uh, if there's anything that um, I, I, I actually become somewhat, um, you know, not a great player. Uh, poker player is because I don't play for the money. Sometimes I make decisions um, that others would make who play for the money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so for me, it was a hobby that I felt like uh, I can be good at, but also uh, it gave me a place to be social yeah. um, at the end of the day. So you asked me about how I got started. Uh, my wife will tell you, I started at the worst time possible. <laughs> I started it uh, right after the birth of our first daughter, and I was playing online. So, you know, I would stay up, you know, when she would wake up in the middle of the night uh, and needs to be fed. Um, I did uh, some of the feedings and I would just stay up and play online. Um, so that would be how I got started, just online. And then I finally made it to a live poker um, casino. And I got to tell you, it was super intimidating. Yeah walking in and actually seeing who you're playing against. And 
I just remember there was one player we we referred to him as Batman, uh, very intimidating. Yeah. And it's kind of fun now because now people come into the casino for the first time, and I'm that person. That's you can say I'm Batman. You can, yeah. I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So and it was interesting because the guy, the gentleman named Batman, he's a banker, and he said, "You know, right? I finally figured out why you play. You spend all day long helping people in your businesses." And you come here and see if you could screw with some of us. <laughs> yeah. And kind of, so for me, the mental game of poker uh, is the fun part, yeah. much more than the cards or the money. Before we go any further, I feel compelled to say uh, that, uh, and I know you have this thing where you think you say poker isn't gambling, but there's gambling involved for sure, right? Um, that uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an element of chance yes, in it. Yes. Sure. Yes. But I feel compelled to say for folks that might have an issue with gambling that might hear this and be very excited to go play poker. Would you, do you, do you have like some words of advice or wisdom or around folks that maybe, uh, maybe this isn't the best hobby for everyone. Anything you want to say about that? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have this debate uh, often with my wife because she says it's gambling. And I try <laughs> to tell her that gambling is when you're playing against the house. Yeah. So you're playing roulette, you're playing blackjack, uh, craps, and slot machines. You're playing against odds and there's no uh, skill. There's a little bit of skill in blackjack in terms of, you know, hit or not. Yeah. But overall, those odds are meant to be in the favor of the house all the time. When you're playing poker, not video poker, but real live poker, you are playing against other players. Yeah. So the element of skill matters a lot more. So I love the guys who come in at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and they're there Friday night and they just had a lot of, to drink and they start gambling while we're playing poker. Yeah. So they're playing reckless and we're playing a game that we make decisions on. Um, so I think the big distinction is you're playing against other players, just like business. And we're going to get into that, but just like business, you make a bet and you think that you're going to outplay your opponent. Yeah. Now the house makes a little bit of a, out of the rake. That's how they keep the lights on and pay the dealers. But at the end of the day, there's a lot less game of chance in poker than there is in the other um, gambling activities. Uh, and by the way, a federal judge in New York did say that poker is not gambling and it's a game of skill. So I have a legal uh, decision that supports that. But <laughs> is there an element of chance? Yes. Just like the chance of somebody introducing you and my I together, there's always that element of chance or luck in it. But in poker, it's much more uh, it's much more skill than it is luck. Yeah. Makes sense. My disclaimer will be was that convincing. If, if, was that convincing for those people who? Uh, with my disclaimer, you 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 need to agree to this. Uh, if you know you have uh, a gambling addiction or a potential compulsion, maybe play chess. Maybe poker isn't or the play, best game for you. Or play um, poker in a game that doesn't require money. Yeah, yes. which is how my daughters actually were playing when they were younger. WSOP downloads and you're playing for free chips. It's not real. Yeah. It's not real money. There you go. So, That's yes. all. I you're just wanted to get that me. out there because I don't want emails from people's spouses or partners in a year saying, uh, you, now my. So friend. here's the one thing I'll tell you. <laughs> if you're not good at poker, do not play poker because you will lose. <laughs> yeah. If you play the other games 
in the casino and you're not good at it, you still have a chance of only losing a little bit. But if you play poker and you're not good at it, guarantee you will lose everything. All right. Let's, let's move on to some, uh, I'm curious, uh, if we were going to outline a book real quick, if you were going to write a book on say the three or five lessons you've learned about leadership playing poker, uh, Mm -hmm. what do you think? What's the first one? What would be the first chapter, the first leadership lesson? You know, I think there's an element of selecting the right hands. Yeah. Okay. So just like in leadership, it all starts with the quality of your team and quality of your people. So it's knowing how to select which hands to play and better yet, which hands not to play. Yeah. So just like you're interviewing, you're going through the process of interviewing people. How do I know who should I hire? Who should I um, bring on board? Yeah. So there is an element of which hands should I play and which hands should I not play? Because if I happen to, you know, have this hand, most likely I'm dominated. So the element of selecting the right people and building that team, uh, which is the hands you play or the cards you play, I think is one of the most critical decisions you make before you even start betting. Yeah. Should I even play this hand? Should I even interview this person? Should I hire this person? I think that element of making that decision is really critical. Uh, so a little bit of my, my poker journey is very different than yours and not as uh, – I don't play nearly as much anymore. But when when I was in my late 20s and early 30s, I was, I was a working actor in Las Vegas in a show at the Rio Casino called Tony and Tina's Wedding. I think I made $100 a show, which was not enough to live on. Uh, and there were many nights I would take that $100 and try to make it more at the poker table. Um, I found for me, I was, I was purely playing for the money, but it was back when 60 or 80 bucks was a ton of money to me. So, uh, my goal would always be to make like 80 bucks off my hundred. And so what I learned was I could almost always do that if I mucked almost every hand, (laughs) if I just got in on that one good hand. Then there's like poker courtesy where you got to still sit around for an hour. But um, yes, but when, don't do it. it. Hit. They call that a hit and run. Yeah, that that makes people mad. But um, but that's tying into what you just said because I would say um, I always tell people it, it's a game that can actually get really boring if you play it right because you're you're doing a lot yes. of not playing. And there's probably yeah. something some parallel there to for we use the phrase forcing a hand uh, and. Uh, In real life, right? Yes. And ultimately, you have to learn how to say no. So when you said the word muck, for those of you who don't know what that word is, mucking means folding. Yeah. So you got to muck a hand and you fold it. And I remember playing in a tournament. It was one of the bigger tournaments uh, that I was invited to because I won a tournament uh, here in Cincinnati. And I was invited to play in a larger tournament. As part of winning this tournament, you get an invitation, hotel, and all that. And my third day of the tournament, I played for eight hours. And in those eight hours, I played six hands. Wow. Which I is, played six, six or seven. But I, what I end up doing, I end up Which is probably like iPad. 10 minutes, right, of the eight hours? Yeah. So yeah. each hand approximately is about two or three minutes. Yeah. So you're doing so a lot of nothing. You're, you're playing two to three minutes an hour. Yeah. Okay. Now you get cards. You look at them and you fold them. And um, I was in a uh, a short middle stock position, which I didn't have enough chips to really they call it, splash around and play a lot of hands. But 
I was able to work my way up the the leaderboard just by letting everybody else bust out. Yeah. So you you're not trying to win all the hands. You know, the objective of poker is win big hands and lose little hands. Hmm. So meaning that, or I'm sorry, pots. Win big pots and lose small pots. So you're gonna you're gonna lose some pots and you're gonna win some pots. The key is the size of the pot and how big of a bet did you make. So you have to learn how to fold, and you 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 know you win po you win poker tournaments by learning how to fold good hands. That sounds like chapter two of our book. We would call win big pots, lose small pots. Yes. Do you have any examples of real life business where you think about that kind of thing? Oh yeah, and and you know if I look at the you know making bets, um, I have as I said before, I've started invested in or acquired like twenty different businesses. When I invest in the businesses, I make small bets, mm-hmm. and then the before I continue on with that, the company has to then perform to a certain level before I make another bet on them. But I have to learn how to close up a company. That, um, was it last year? Uh, you know, after the pandemic was you know subsided. A business that we had started, what's that, seven, eight years ago? We just made the decision to fold it. Hmm. And it was time, time to close it. And, you know, I'm not going to keep, you know, putting money into something that I don't think has got the best opportunity. So we, we lost a little bit of money. You know, I wouldn't say a lot, but a little bit of money. Yeah. Uh, whereas one of my big wins, you know, I gave them a little bit of money. This is the Ramp Company. Upside Innovations gave them a little bit of money when they first started in 09. They proved out some things. Here's a little bit more money. Here's a little bit more money. And then eventually when they started, you know, performing, uh, I made bigger bets. And so you have to learn how to, you know, make a bet, make some decisions and know how to fold them just like venture capital. Um, and the worst, um, you know, people who lose these, these big pots, they have pocket aces. And the the flop comes five, six, seven, and the turns a nine, the rivers a ten. There's no chance if somebody's in there with you that pocket aces wins at that point. It may have been the perfect starting hand, yeah. But at some point in time, you have to learn how to fold it. Yeah, which obviously is really, it's hard in poker, but it can be harder in real life, especially if you're uh, if it's your company, if you're the if you're an entrepreneur, or, um, and probably if you're in a. It's interesting. You think about there's. It's just a metaphor, right? But I'm sure people are listening and thinking about their actual life thinking, I might need to muck this hand. <laughs> like, you know, when you, any thoughts when you find yourself actually in a position, you mentioned it as an investor, but now I'm thinking more as even as uh, an employee or what you're doing or even the path of, of work that you're going down, kind of feeling like, oh, this feels like a hand I need to fold. Yeah. You know, one of the hardest skills to really master in poker is emotional regulation. And, you know, you're, you're really trying to get somebody in the, the objective as Batman told me, your job here is to kind of screw with people, right? Mm. So the emotional regulation of getting somebody to make a bad decision because they've made a bet and now they're over invested in a hand that needs to be folded. And you look for people who cannot fold mm. and you know that A, you can't bluff them. So don't try to bluff them, but also know you're going to get paid off big if you hit your hand. Because they don't know how to fold. And, you know, in in real life, you know, you have to decide on, okay, am I in the right job? You know, am I with the right company? Am I in the right career? But, you know, I've had to, you know, terminate uh, partnerships with people 
uh, because you know what? You have to sit back and look at this and say, you know what? This doesn't make sense anymore. So when you have, they call it a sunk cost, you know, throwing good money after bad uh, because you don't want to make the decision. So the decision you're making is I'm going to maintain status quo. Yeah. That is a decision by not changing courses. So you have to learn how to fold and say, you know what, at some point in time, this doesn't make sense to continue this investment. Developing world-class leaders in your community is now easier than ever with LeaderCast. In addition to our flagship May event, becoming a presenting partner allows you to stream multiple events per year, each with an opportunity to earn money. The new LeaderCast lets you invite 1 to 1,000 people with unlimited streaming opportunities. Check out more at LeaderCast.com or the link in our bio. Love it. So I'm curious about you had a you had a pretty significant run one year at the main event and got on TV and whatnot. I remember watching you from my living room. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you for those this does get a little insider poker world, but with Phil, was it Phil Helmuth? Someone was at your table. Uh, Phil Helmuth, so, yes. So uh, the poker brat, as they call it. my kids, my kids even knew that that was his title, <laughs> the poker brat. So he's probably one of the two or three most famous poker players in the world. Which again, if you don't watch poker, who cares? But he is. Uh, so I'm curious, just uh, what was that like? How was your interaction with someone? Because um, you know, as a recreational player, even though you're, I'm sure you're quite confident. Here is one of the top pros in the world. I'm curious what your thoughts were at that at the table. Well, you know, it's interesting. His personality on TV when we were able to get on ESPN. And how we were playing at our table before we got on TV changed dramatically. Hmm. So he really puts on a good show for the cameras. Uh, there was a gentleman from Russia who was playing at our table. So the two of them knew how to ham it up for the for the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I decided to do when I was playing against him, I had the chip lead in the in the in the on the table. Um, I had about 500,000 chips when the average was probably even less than a hundred thousand, maybe, maybe a little more than a hundred thousand. So I was doing very well in the first two days. He had about, you know, 50, 60,000. So he was low on chips. So I decided I ended up in the hand with him and I decided not to bust him out, but instead make a point that I can be very nitty. (laughs) So the term nitty is basically scared. Hmm. So I want, because we're going to be playing with these same folks, nine people, for 12 hours. So back to the boring yeah. aspect of it, it's boring. You're mm-hmm. with the same people for 12 hours. So we were early on. Uh, I ended up having pocket tens. Long story short, I have a full house. He has a straight. So my full house is better than straight. But I acted very scared. And I only check called him every hand. And he got out of his seat. And he likes to blow up on people when they uh, outplay him. Yeah. So he got up out of the seat after the hand was over. Didn't say a word because I had the best hand the whole time. And his uh, interview afterward with ESPN, he actually mentioned that I end up with a straight. Somebody ends up with a full house and they're chuck calling. Like, so uh, I, what my objective was, was to kind of act one way mm-hmm. so that later on I could actually play a lot more aggressive but act as if I always have it. 
So I decided to, you know, position myself as a very scared, concerned about the <laughs> yeah. chips player. Yeah. So that later on, I can take advantage of that persona that they have me on as a nitty player. Plus, it uh, guaranteed you had TV time that way. That yeah. was it. And then, you know, my phone blew up. Uh, my kids were getting calls from all their friends. Hey, your dad's on TV. <laughs> so uh, that that was a bit distracting. I have to say that it was very, very distracting. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a fun experience. All right. That's just a fun story. So let, let's, uh, what's our, do we have a third, uh, chapter, a third leadership lesson for poker that we haven't talked about? So what were the two so far? We had the knowing the hands to fold was the second one, the emotional regulation was, oh, was we that the, call second that, one? the second one I said was big pots, small pots. Okay. Uh, we could say, we could say three was emotional regulation. So now we can do four. Okay. So I think the. Uh, the other one would be really understanding why people play. Yeah. So this is not what you learn in the rule books. This is not the hand ranking of which one's better. This is really understanding the player. So when we're, again, when we have team members on our team, why do they work at this company? Why do they work? Why do they, are they part of this industry? Why yeah. are they part of this team? What, what drives them? So this is the advanced level of poker of really understanding why do people play? And as I mentioned, again, Batman nailed it. He said, you come here to, yep. you know, they know that I'm not there necessarily for the money. They're, it, some people are there because they want to get away from their spouse and they want a place to drink. Mm -hmm. There are some people there who uh, really play for the money um, and they're annoying. Um <laughs> Because, you know, they're grinders mm -hmm. uh, and they're, you know, uh, so if you've seen the movie Rounders, you mm -hmm. see the grinders, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and there are some people there that just love the excitement and love the rush. Um, so I think there's understanding that motivation of why they play helps you make a decision of their risk tolerance, helps you make a decision about, you know, what time do they have to leave? And as you mentioned, if you understood that you're there for your hundred hours, mm -hmm. And, you know, so you when you played for the hundred hours and you wanted to double it was because you were there for the money because you're like a hundred hours is not going to be enough for me to uh, to make a living. So they knew I played against a player one time in Connecticut and he would occasionally open up his wallet to see how much money he had left. Hmm. Yeah. So I knew that he was playing for the money, but also he didn't have a big bankroll. Yeah. So he can get bluffed out of a big pot because he doesn't want to take that chance. Right. So uh, really, again, understanding the why. So from a business perspective, you know, do you understand the whys behind your team members? Do you understand why your customer buys from you? Do you understand why your supplier, you know, works with you? So getting beyond the surface level of making an assumption that your why is their why, I think that's the piece that really differentiates the the top players with others so that they can understand how they're going to make decisions. Yeah. That's really good. And I, I think you've obviously understood your own why. I don't – sometimes, uh, you know, it's a little different than like uh, than the Simon Sinek uh, TEDx talk. But, but understanding our own why, like why why we do the things we do is obviously super important ourselves, right? So, so that we know um, – and I just uh, went through kind of a visioning exercise for myself, kind of figuring out kind of – just imagining a future where I was be very happy uh, and doing some writing around that super simple, but it was very helpful to kind of help me remember, Oh, 
I'm doing certain things I do now because of who I am and what I care about. But in the day to day, we can even lose touch with our own why, right? And so, absolutely. And and I'll say this, you know, my my why for poker uh, when I had the businesses before I sold many of them was a place for me to go recharge. You may think that that's crazy. People feel like you go to play poker to recharge. Mm-hmm. It became automatic for me. It became a social place for me to connect with other people. But the aspect of playing cards and make doing the math and figure that out was very. I don't know, relaxing for me mm-hmm. where others get highly stressed from that. Right. Um, during COVID, when the casinos closed up or even worse, when they opened up and only the players that were the grinders showed up, yeah. that social aspect went away. So I'm like, you know what? So I started playing a lot more golf. So you have to kind of understand, like, why did I play? Yeah. Um, and, and actually, it's interesting. My book here, The Fearless mm-hmm. Frontline. That tournament that I mentioned I won, that I got a, uh, a seat into the Vegas one, I was actually editing my manuscript during the tournament. <laughs> there you go. And I folded every hand for 90 minutes because I had something to keep me occupied. Yes. Uh, guaranteed if I had my manuscript, I wouldn't have won the tournament because I wouldn't have been, I couldn't have lasted 90 minutes in, in that kind of tournament. But I think it's, it's important. Like I remember being on a board of a nonprofit and they were asking, how do we get our board members more engaged? And I made a comment of, let's find out why they are on the board. Yeah. And I remember this this one of the board member who was a CFO. He said, we don't need to know that. We know why they're there. I'm like, do you? <laughs> and I, yeah. he like stifled that yeah. whole conversation. And it's like, we know why they're there. Let's just tell them what we want them to do. Very dismissive. It's like, all right, good luck with that. Right. And I think, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm way into the Enneagram. I talk about that. Uh, a lot of these episodes, we've never actually had you officially assessed, Ray, but uh, pretty, you're, you're straddling the seven, eight line. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but why I well, like there's it. An, there's, so, so I was sorry to interrupt, but there's a good example of poker right there. Yeah. Is you build a hypothesis and you test it. Yeah. Yes. So you're putting me on a, you're putting me on a seven, eight. Yeah. You're, and I know. It's a hypothesis that I'm sure I'm right about. You're just in the Enneagram world. It's not cool to type people. They're supposed to type themselves. I'm just telling you where it's going to go. But uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, the uh, why I like that assessment and actually just remind me after this, I'll, I'll hook you up because I would look you to do it. Um, there's only one assessment that I think is really accurate. But anyway, it's the only sort of quote personality test that is primarily concerned with your motivations. It's not really concerned with your behavior. Uh, it's concerned about why you do certain mm. things and that can manifest differently in different people. Uh, so I am a seven, uh, and it, uh, the primary motivation of a seven is to escape pain and experience pleasure. Um, and without the Enneagram as a tool, I never would have figured that out about myself. But, uh, now that I know it, I can see it in good and bad ways happening in my life. Um, and, so I would just encourage folks that it doesn't have to be the Enneagram, but it have some system or methodology within those you lead to be able to talk about folks, uh, motivations. And what I mean is like their instincts of why they want to do certain things, because if you don't, you will assume everyone's the same as yours. And generally mm-hmm. that's only true for about 10% of people in the world. Yeah. Um, so once you realize that some folks motivation is, is security while some is, uh, achievement, and others is just a fun experience and, you know, others is to be seen as smarter wise. Once you start to realize that, that stuff, you can, you can help folks. Uh, first of all, I think, uh, kind of 
kind of ride that momentum to help them do their work better, but also see where they might be out of balance and say, look, life isn't all about escaping pain. Uh, there's, there's other opportunities to be motivated in different ways. So that, that's my Enneagram speech, but it made me think of it. Uh, Ray, we are out of time. Uh, the good news is we hang out all the time so we can keep talking. Just people can't listen. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I do want to really encourage people check out super teams, uh, coming out here soon, uh, where you're on the panel. Uh, also if you're a LeaderCast 365 member, there's, uh, I think at least two webinars that Ray and I've done together and a ton of videos with Ray talking about things besides poker. Uh, and I think you would really all love all that. Uh, Ray, if folks want to, uh, to get in touch with you, uh, or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, probably the best one for me is uh, LinkedIn. Okay. So they can look at my LinkedIn profile and uh, connect with me and happy to chat with them and give them some advanced tips on uh, poker or <laughs> uh, leading the fearless front line. All right. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. This was fun. In today's ultra competitive job market, top tier talent are leaving companies in search of top tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.